I'm Dan Wasson from Wasson Nursery, and I'm a hardscaper. All right, Dan, let's get started here to get to learn a little bit more about yourself, how you got started in the industry. Can you give our audience a little bit of a background about yourself and how you got to where you are right now? So we started back in, uh, my dad started the company in, in 1977. And, uh, you know, it started off as just, just, you know, landscape and a little bit of growing, uh, you know, some shrubs and, and, and smaller trees. And, um, it, it, it slowly morphed into, you know, um, design build landscape. And, um, uh, eventually it, 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 you know, like a snowball, you know, things just got more and more and, uh, you know, you add, you add different things, you add patios and, 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 you know, we started doing patios, you know, back in the, back in the eighties, um, you know, I was just, a, I was still a, a little guy, um, then and wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't on a crew or anything. Um, uh, my dad did most of that and, uh, they were just real simple patios, you know, back in the eighties, it was just, you know, uh, simple squares. There were no pools or fire pits. It was, it was very simple. And, you know, that, that was our first stab at, at hardscaping was it, 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 it was, it was, it was very minimal. You know, we were still more about the landscape um, than, than we are now. You know, it's, it's probably, it's probably gone the other way now. So that, that, that was, that, that was kind of our first, our first stab at it, but we've been doing it since the eighties. What made you kind of pursue hardscaping more uh, when you made that adjustment, when you guys made your adjustment in, in the industry? That's a, that's a really good question. And that's a, that's a, that's a tough one too. I will tell you that I would say in the last five years, we've really made the adjustments to, um, to hardscape and patios. Um, we, we've done them for a long time, of course, but they were never, they were never a, a huge, that like a huge focus. You know what I'm saying? Like up until recently, they've, they've now, they, they're now an extension of the home. Okay. Um, you've got, you've got companies like Teco block and Unilock and, and, and all these different brick companies that, that they're, they've upped their technology and their game on their pavers. So, so you can, you can deliver intricate patterns and, and just really contemporary uh, pieces of, of, it's almost artwork is what I tell people. You know, that's, that's the, the real transition started, you know, probably, you know, five or six years ago into, into being able to produce these works of art for people. And, and I think, you know, patios, I've said this before, I think in an Instagram post, um, but patios aren't just patios anymore. You know, they're the fire pit, they're the seating, they're the bubbling rock, you know, the, the, the outdoor kitchen, uh, you know, these are extensions of people's houses. They're a room in a way. And, you know, they want to, they want all those bells and whistles. So, you know, the, you know, and I'm probably getting off on a tangent here, but that is, that is, um, you know, the last five or six years has really been huge in us and transitioning, you know, from doing, you know, a little bit of patios to, patios being the the main driver behind um, our design build and is that something that you've seen change in the industry since you first started uh whether you know going back to 
a while, like when you when uh, you were just getting into the industry, and from when you guys started doing hardscapes until now, is that the biggest change you've seen in terms of the way people treat their outdoors? And did that help you kind of adjust in adjust your business in the industry to meet the needs of your customer that wanted that? Oh yeah, we've I mean we've totally adjusted. Um, we've totally adjusted how we market ourselves. We've adjusted how we display things. Uh, you know, we, we are getting, uh, we get tons of referrals and calls of people who want to want outdoor living. They're not calling for, Hey, I want my, you know, my boxwood hedge trimmed as my, or, or for maintenance, they're calling for major, major work, major construction, uh, hardscape work. And um, a little more background about me. I started off on the crew. Okay. My dad at, I think, I think I was like 14 or 15. My dad said, Hey, guess what? You're going on the crew. And I remember to this day, I remember, you know, I've, I've been on the crew. I've, I've planted trees. We've, we've done patios. I've, I've got to work in it and I loved it. And I remember, you know, when, when I was doing all that, you know, the stonework was the was a minimal piece and it was it wasn't as glitzy as it is now and you know that's been the biggest change is from now and from now until then is is that we're transitioning to more of a hardscape company and less of a landscape company we can we still do a lot of landscape but you know we used to have a bunch of crews that that you know they were 90% landscape and 10% hardscape and now there's now there's uh, one, two, three, four. There's five hardscape crews. That that's all they do. They go from one job to the next, and then the landscape crew comes in behind them. And you know, uh, all of our product, you know, most of our product that we're ordering is is based around the hardscape. You know, you get the grill, the granite tops, you know, the hardscape lights. You know, uh, you know, it it it's it's in in a good way infected. A good chunk of our business of 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 um, what we're doing. You guys still own the nursery, so you have a retail space, and and we mentioned this just before this interview. But is this space meant to bring do more than just bring in revenue for your business? Absolutely, it's a, it's an extension of what we do. And and if you would, um, uh, we have a location in Fishers, Indiana, and if you go to that location, we have an area we call Central Park where it's got different hardscape designs. It's got an outdoor kitchen. It's got pergolas. It's got pavilions. And that's a direct, like, that's a really easy way. And it's not like, you know, it's not like you're going to go buy a car. We're not, I don't have a salesman there saying, Oh, what, you know, what color patty would you like today? You know, like it's, it's, you could, you could just walk it. And we get a, we get a, a lot of referrals and part of the referrals we get are people who are in the garden center that say, you know what? that looks really cool. Look, they've built that here. They can build it at our house. That is huge. Um, especially in the Fisher's market, it's a bigger market for us. And, um, you know, that's a good way that we get leads is they're in there, they're buying a geranium or they're buying a fern or, or they're getting a load of mulch and, um, they see that and there, and it starts, it starts to thinking. You know, and and the other way we get leads, if if, if I'll, I'll jump to that real quick, is we get a lot of leads from word of mouth. I would say word of mouth and the garden centers are our two biggest uh, uh, areas. But that you're absolutely right in that question. The the garden center 
it, it, it looks good. I mean, and retail is a hard business. It's not a business for everyone. It's not a, you know, you're not hitting the lottery. You do a retail business. It's, it's tough, especially during, during COVID, what we're dealing with now. Um, it's, it's, you know, I've got good people there, there that are doing a great job and, and, um, it's, it's a tough business. So the, uh, you know, we're able to capture some leads off of that retail, which is, is, is a bonus. Continuing with talking about how the industry has changed, how the customer has uh, changed more towards utilizing their outdoor space. In your opinion, what do you attribute that that shift to? What have you seen in your time in the industry uh, besides, you know, that shift that that they see their outdoor as an extension of their living space? In your opinion, what's caused that? I think, man, you know, that's a good question. Um, I would say the first thing on that is there's so much more we can offer. You know, that's, that's the first thing is, is it's not just, you know, Hey, let me put this little 10 by 10 square patio out here. Now it's, it's all right. You want a grill, you know, you want a smoker. Oh, guess what? We'll do a granite top on that and, and a pizza oven, you know, and then we'll put all that under a pavilion. So part of, part of what's led to the, the hardscape, um, business rise in, in society is that, that, you know, we can, we can customize this stuff so much that it, you know, it's, 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 it's like I said before, it's, it's part of, it's part of these customers houses It's part of these people's houses. And, you know, it's like, it's like, if you're going to remodel your kitchen, you know, you're going to, you're going to remodel it. You're going to get the right color. You're going to do this backsplash. It's the same thing with hardscape. You can pick out, you know, uh, what your pavers are. Do you want you want the blue grande slabs on a forty-five degree, which is one of my personal favorites, you know, and, and a real clean look. And guess what? We can we can add this this uh, fire pit with a uh, you know, and it can have an automatic start, or you can have natural gas or wood. It's 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 in a way, it's such a hard question because there is there are so many options for people now. It's 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 not just uh, Rex and square pavers. I'm going to be jumping around a lot now because no, go ahead. you've brought up so many questions into my head, but uh, getting into talking about where, where your leads are coming from with, through the nursery, through word of mouth, since you have that nursery, it's kind of a different game for you, but what are you spending your marketing dollars on? Are you spending, are you investing in getting people into that nursery as a funnel to get uh, into that design build? Or are you still market marketing uh, separately, the design build, the, the nursery, or do you even need to kind of market at all at this point? I will tell you that um, our best leads, the ones that, that, that are, you know, we, we're not up against much competition are our word of mouth. Those are the easiest ones because it's real simple. Do a good job for somebody. That person's going to tell their friend, their boss, whoever, how good of a job you did. And then they're going to call you. And most of the time, they're not, they're not getting other quotes. They're saying, hey, my boss, you did a good job for my boss. I love his patio. I want you to, to do it. I want you, you know, can you give me a quote? And those are the best because you don't pay for those. Those, those are, and we, we get, we get dozens and dozens of those every year. And, and uh, they are, they are, uh, you know, it's hard to mess those up. 
You know what I'm saying? They're, they're you, you know, word of mouth, if you do a good job for somebody, that's all you should need. All right. Now we do spend, we do spend um, some Facebook dollars in, uh, in marketing and getting people into the, into the garden center. We do still do some stuff um, with, with uh, uh, design build and groundskeeping to get, you know, on, to maintain a presence. But um, I will tell you that our, our word of mouth is like a lot of the projects I post are from, are from mostly word of mouth. Those, a lot of those big projects are word of mouth. And with those word of mouth projects, when it comes to the design, are you kind of uh, given a little bit more freedom in terms of design or do most people kind of come to you and know what they want? What do you see kind of in the industry and where you guys are situated in the market? I might go off on a tangent here, but the, the, the heart, like when you, when you do that, the, the hardest thing is trying to figure out what kind of budget do you have? Because that, that determines a lot of how creative I can get. And so I always try to, and it's hard because people don't know what things cost. And that's the biggest, the biggest question that I get. And probably a lot of other guys in my um, line of work get is I'll, I'll ask, all right, so what's your budget? And the, the number one response is, well, I don't know what things cost. And the best response that I have for that is I start saying, all right, so what if this patio and outdoor kitchen, what if it cost $80,000? How does that sound in your head? And once we, once I can, I can get them to understand and feel, they got to feel it, understand and feel what things cost. Then, um, then you've, you've opened, you've opened the gate a little bit because you know, we, we can always usually get people to spend more than their budget and, and because it's hard to match a budget exactly. And, and you'll have extras you want to add and things like that. So, um, you know, that's, that's one way of, of how we figure out what the budget is. And, you know, that tells you how creative you can be. If, if someone, you know, their max budget you find out is, is 10 grand. I mean, there's not much you're going to be able to do for 10 grand. So, you know, you can, and this is a problem and I'll admit we're not perfect. This is a problem that, that we've had and I'm sure other designers have had is the um, I've said this before to a lot of my guys is be careful that the, the art doesn't out, outpace the budget. The art doesn't outpace the budget. And we've done that before. We've totally blown. We've blown estimates because we didn't think about the budget and we made this fancy design, really cool design, but it was so much money that, that, you know, the people couldn't, couldn't afford it or, or didn't want to afford it, you know? And that's, that's something that we've, we've worked really hard on now is, is don't let the, the art outpace the budget. So we try to get budgets the best we can. And once you have that budget though, that's going to allow you, that's going to give you the freedom of how creative you can get. And I've had people say, you know, you know, 200 K 300 K. And those are, those are great budgets to have, you know? Um, and, and I've had, I've had people tell me, Hey, I, I got 15 K and that's great too. I mean, we're, we, we don't discriminate on any of that. We, 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 we want the, we want your business. So we'll, we'll, we'll find a way to make it work. So where you are in your business right now, if a customer, uh, I guess the easiest way to put this is what is your ideal customer? What is their uh, budget range? What kind of projects are they looking at getting done? Do you have a, an ideal customer in that sense that if you see if you see one of those come in, that's one you definitely want to get? You're asking some you're asking some killer questions. <laughs> those are 
Those are some good. I got to take my jacket off now. <laughs> Hot in here. Ideal customer. Man, I haven't talked about that in a while. Um, I think everyone's ideal customer, like if you're in business, your ideal customer is someone who has no budget. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, and that just says yes to everything. And you're not going to get that. I would say a lot of my best customers are ones I became friends with that they understand the hard work that, that we put into a job mm-hmm. and the stress that we take home from a job. That's a, that's a, just a tough thing. The, everyone wants the ideal customer and it's, it's, you've got to work hard. You've got to work hard for that customer. I would say that if I had to just throw out some figures, our ideal customer is probably a 30 to 50 K job, you know, and with a little bit of landscape in there too, you know, a little bit of patio, a little bit of landscape. Um, you're not deployed for months. You know, you can, you can make it a week or two week job and, and move on to the next one. Yeah. If, if, if you're talking about parameters, but like that, but I would say ideal customer are, are the ones where, where I've done a killer job. I go back, take pictures. They're so happy with it. They're telling all their friends and family about it. They introduce you. They send you text of like, Hey, call this guy. Those are the ideal customers. Mm-hmm. Ideal parameters are what, you know, kind of what I just said a little bit of, of things that we like everyone. And this is a different tangent and I don't know if I'm going too far in it, but like everyone wants that huge job, you know, they see the jobs on Instagram and, and they're like, man, when I, when I get my heart, I want to do this six figure job. And you got to be careful with those because, you know, you can, you can lose a lot of money on a big job too. Mm-hmm. You know, on a, on a, on a hardscape job, you can, you can, things can, it's not all roses. And, and I will tell you, like when we do an $8,000 job, we'll knock that dude out in one day, you know, and, and that might not be hardscape. It might be more landscape, but those are great. Those are great money makers. Yeah. And, and we do a lot of that. We do a lot of, you know, um, small landscapes and, and things like that too, still. So our portfolio is kind of balanced with, you know, several, several big jobs and several jobs that are, that, that we can squeeze in in between these big ones that we can go knock it out one, one or two days, send an invoice, everyone's happy and move on to the next one. So, so, you know, I don't know, and, and stop me if I'm getting off on a tangent, but that's, those are, those are jobs that I like too. I, I post a lot of, a lot of cool jobs. Um, I, I like big jobs that we do, but you know what I don't post is I don't post um, some of these smaller jobs and it's just, it's more for the fact that I just don't have time to get out there to every job and take a picture. But we do a lot of really cool small jobs that, that um, make great money and that, that, that are very profitable. Yeah. And that's the same thing in my business. That's why I ask because, you know, I, I have th- those small jobs that they don't take up a lot of time and they're very profitable. So that's kind of your answers kind of led me to a bunch of different questions that kind of got me off topic uh, where we were going with this. But we talked about the customer coming into the nursery and the word of mouth leads. So my next question to you is when a customer contacts you, whatever, wherever it may come from, what do you do from there? Do you do you get them on the phone or do you can you contact through email? And, and how do you pre-qualify that customer? What we'll do is let's say there's a couple different ways, but you know, clients can email me. They they email, um, they get the the general email, and they email the staff, and we try to push them in the same funnel. Um, and I'm I'm probably the worst at it. I'm the you know the owners are always the the most 
you know, pain in the butt guys. Cause sometimes we, we skip the processes that we make <laughs> and it gets the staff, you know uh, you know, I'm breaking the rules, but, but I, what we try to do is we try to push them into one of the coordinators. So we have a, we have two girls, actually we have, we have four, sorry, we have four, four staff members that are landscape coordinators and the coordinator's job is to um, help coordinate everything with the um, client from beginning to end. And so I'll, I'll kick over. If I get an email uh, from a, a client that once done it starts with, I'll kick it over to Annie and then she'll set up the appointment. Um, she'll kind of ask some, some basic questions like, what are you looking for? Do you have an idea of a budget? Do you have a time frame? Those are very important questions that we try to at least have some kind of an answer to right off the beginning. And then we'll, we'll, she'll set up with a, with an appointment and we'll do an initial design appointment basically where we just go out and um, we have a checklist of things to look at. Um, we'll meet with the client, we'll, you know, look them in the eyes, do a handshake if not now, of course, but, you know, just to get to know them. And, um, you know, that's where we'll figure out, we'll try to figure out what the design is going to take, what design will cost. And at that point is when, you know, they, they, they decide to move forward with the design process. If, if they like, if, if, if we get along on the first initial appointment and, you know, once I'm there, then, then we'll go on to the, to more of the design process of, you know, measuring and, and, uh, to, you know, tell them what the design fee is and, and all the estimating side of it. That initial consultation, are you charging for that? The initial consultation, um, we've been back and forth on that. As of right now, we are not charging for it. Mm-hmm. It got, I mean, I, I'll be honest, it got really busy there for a while. Um, back in August, I mean, every, every, I was getting so many calls from all kinds of pool companies that we were starting to charge for a consultation fee then because it was, there was just too many appointments. But right now, as far as company policy, we don't charge for that initial appointment. We do charge after that, depending on the scope of the work uh, that determines design fee. When it comes to choosing product, when it comes to presenting a design to the customer, do you bring them into the nursery? Do you guys use that space to kind of show off uh, this is what a product looks like when it's in the ground, when it's installed and uh, and present them to the design at the nursery? Or how do you go about that? Absolutely. I mean, and this is, and, you know, things are different now, of course you know, before COVID, yeah, we were, we were um, bringing people in, we would show them how things were built, you know, walk around, show them plants. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, uh, cause basically you can show them almost everything you want to do right there. And they can see the actual, actual product, actual plant. The, you know, this is the color we want to use. This is the light we want to use. So yes, with COVID right now, of course, we're not you know, we're not bringing as many people in and we're doing a lot of that virtual email and all that, um, the best we can, um, dropping samples off. But, but yeah, to answer your question, absolutely. They come in and that's a great, I mean, that's a great way to, to sell a product is if you have it all there laid out. So, and I'm going to go off on the side tangent here and the way I see a nursery is it really sets you up as almost an authority in the space being that, you have an area that you can show off the products and show off the installation, bring customers to have a space to present designs like this. This really sets you apart from the competition. And, but not only that, 
I mean, I'm sure some of your, some people have yards that they pay rent for that they can store their their equipment and in whatever it may be. But to have a space that can do that, but also generate some revenue, I, I see that nursery kind of business model as, as a positive. Is this is this how you kind of see your space, or do you even use your space to to store your equipment? Do you have another space for that? Yeah, no, we have. Um, so our we have we have three locations: um, Union City, Indiana, which is where I'm originally from; um, Muncie, Indiana, which is we call that corporate headquarters, and the Fishers, Indiana location. Um, all three of those spots have a small garden center. Um, Muncie and Fishers, you know, have the larger garden center, but, but those, when you talk about like um, the business, as far as, as bringing leads in it's and and how it gives you the presence, I think is the word you used. It's total street cred. Mm-hmm. is what it gives you. It get, I mean, it gives you, you have tons of street cred. And um, what's nice is when they walk into the store, they can kind they can, they can, it backs it up. Yeah. And then as far as, as far as storing equipment, we can get onto a whole huge side engine here. Um, you, you might have to, you might have to have like, uh, some other, um, uh, podcasts with me on some of this stuff, but <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a big believer of having everything on site for the crew, the morning of staged and ready. So at my Muncie location, for example, it's got a garden center, but it also has, it's got a stone yard. It's got a, it's got a um, barn that just holds topsoil. I've got um, several barns with tools and skid steers, and uh, I got a mechanic. So it's, you know, the, the key is is being ready for the crew every day the best we can because it makes their day better. They're gonna they're gonna produce for you more. They're gonna have a if they can have a good day and be organized in the morning. So going back to your original question. Yes, every uh, like there's stockyard here in Muncie. We are ready to go. Um, you know, the Smith job is got its pallets of skids already there. The guys have their truck. They've got their tools. They get everything here and they head to the job site. The goal is to get them out of here in thirty to forty minutes. But yeah, that's incredible. And I, I definitely see yeah that that space really giving you that credibility and really setting you apart from your uh competition especially in that design build space because it really sets the authority for that space being able to bring your customer to that and to kind of show it off in a sense now going back to the design uh meeting with the customer what kind of questions are you asking in order to know what they want in that space what they want to see in that space so you know for that design what's going to go into it some customers know what they want and you don't have to ask any questions Mm -hmm. And then some customers are, they don't know what they want. All they know is they want, they want something awesome. So then you, so then we really break it down and like, I'll, I'll ask, you know, I'm like, all right, well, where do you spend the most time out, you know, in, in your home? You know, what's your, what's the inside of your house look like? Are, is you, are you contemporary? Uh, are you, are you modern? You know, what's your, what's your style? Like I try you know, um, I do everything I can to kind of figure out, all right, what's their existing style first? You know, and then, then you start asking, all right, well, do you entertain a lot? Oh yeah. Yeah. Dan, we we have, I've got a huge family. We're over here every, every Sunday for football, you know? All right. Well, you know, that's going to tell me a lot about how much square footage I need to make, or, or maybe they're wanting a pool. Maybe, you know, I, you know, that's, you know, there, there are tons of questions to ask and, and we, but we start off with, with, you know, how you want to use your space, you know, 
you know, your style, what's the inside of your house look like? You know, what do you envision in your, you know, in, in, in your mind, when you look out here, what do you see from there? You know, it, it, you know, once we get them to open up, we can really figure out what they want. How do you know what kind of products you're going to put in there uh, in terms of format, size, texture, color? What do you base that off of? Having already visited your nursery, do they kind of have a sense of what direction they want to take it? Or is this kind of something that you propose to them? And then they they kind of say yes, no, maybe. I would say, so the first initial appointment, most clients have got a few pictures on Instagram, they print it off or they want to show me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we really like this style. Like I've had, I will tell you, I've had this happen a ton where someone will have a picture of a Teco Block patio because they follow them. Because, you know, Teco Block has a ton of Instagram followers. Yeah. All right. And I will have a client that'll say, hey, can you do this? And, they'll, and it'll be a really clean contemporary picture of like, uh, like blue, blue grande slabs or something. And, you know, that when they do that, they, they already kind of know what they want. And that's in today's age with Instagram and with everyone on social media and, and with companies doing a good job promoting their product on social media, it's not hard to figure out what people want. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier. I would say rarely do we get somewhere where someone has no idea what they want. People are very informed now they are on social media. They, they know they, so we get, we get a little bit of a head start most of the time from the client and we sell a lot of tech block. I think, I think they do a, they do a good job. It's easy to sell. They, they, and they market themselves to the client for you. And so that, that's the part, that's the ease of, of selling that product. And they've got a lot of choices of, you know, contemporary, or do you want rustic? And, and I think the color and the texture and all that, you know, that's pieces that we attack later. You know, uh, our first job is to get the concept down and get to get the space down. But, you know, a lot of that choice in texture and color, um, a couple factors come into that one is budget. Yeah. Whenever you start adding a lot of different textures and colors, the project gets more expensive. It takes more man hours. That's always something to consider. Also, you know, do they want the rustic slabs? Do they want a clean, smooth look of, of, of you know, of something contemporary? So, th- there's there's a lot of questions that the homeowner has to has to answer that we kind of, you know, try to figure out before we really get the design done of of those textures. Coming down to it you've presented the design to the customer, the customer's going ahead with it. In terms of payment plans with your customer, what does that look like in your business, especially on those larger scale projects that, that you guys get into? Before we, so let's back up just a little bit. What we will do is, is we charge for the design. Okay. That's non-refundable. Okay. We don't, you know, like there's some guys that will give credit back for that and that's okay, but we just don't do that. Um, so, so you pay for the design, you own the design. All right. And then once we presented the design, if you choose to move forward, then it's, it's our payment plan is it's half down. And then what we'll do is we will stage some, um, some payments throughout that. And when we get to the end, we'll just do the balance and the balances. There's usually like, you know, 15 or 20% left, I would say. So we, you know, the goal is not to, as a, as a, as a company, as a hardscaper, not to have a huge balance at the end 
you know, in case something would go wrong or, or, you know, God forbid something bad happens and, and you can't get your money. You, you want to, as you complete phases of the project, help, you know, you need to help, you need to make sure you collect some money going along the way too. So in case something happens, you don't have a huge sum of money hanging out there that you can't collect. I asked this question after I asked about the payments, because typically it has to do with payments, but do you have a horror story in terms of being in business, whether that's on the retail side of things with the nursery or with the uh, design build side of things, whether that's payments or installation, do you have a horror story that you'd want to share with our audience? And I only ask because it, it, it does help in terms of letting these guys know what can happen and to kind of prepare them for it or to be able to kind of avoid those situations. Well, Mike, we've been in business since 1977 and yes. Do we have horror stories? Yes. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and that's, and that's part of becoming a strong business is, and this is a, this is a tangent. So I apologize, but that's one of the things I can say is we've made a ton of mistakes. The good news is, is that we've learned from those all along the way. And that's, that's something that I, I tell my staff here. And I tell guys that, you know, they message me on, on social media and they'll ask, how'd you do this? How'd you do this? And, and, you know, you know, my newer staff, I, I want them to make mistakes and learn. I mean, that's, that's the best, a mistake is the best form of, of teaching you can do. So that was my little tangent on mistakes um, and horror stories. Yes, we've had them. Um, I'll tell you a couple, some inter some interesting ones. So one is um, before this was probably four or five years ago. Before we really got into having strict down payments, because now now we do DocuSign. We do. I mean, it's legit. It's you gotta you gotta put a down payment before we move forward with anything. Well, before that, we we were a little more loose with with that, and we would do a job um, with very little down, you know, and and not think too much about the process of that because because, you know, no one had really burned us really bad before. And so we got to doing this job and we did it. And, you know, they, we were trying to collect payment and I couldn't get them to respond. Couldn't get them to respond, tried everything. And I got to the point where I, I didn't know what to do. I mean, she, she finally answered and she said, oh, we're going to come right in and pay you. And she never showed up. Hmm. So I called my attorney and I said, um, you know, can I do a, a landscape repo? And uh, we did. He said, yes. We went in there on a Saturday morning, made a bunch of noise, and we repoed every plant that we could. Mm -hmm. And we made a bunch of noise and, and uh, on purpose. And, um, you know, come to find out that they actually were on some FBI list of they had scammed Amazon for like hundreds of thousands of dollars and they just up and left. Wow. So they weren't even there anymore. So I couldn't even, I couldn't even take them to court. Wow. So, you know, that's, that's what caused us to put the, the DocuSign in place and to, to get, um, you know, as much down and signatures and, and, but, but, you know, as much as possible, but, you know, um, it's not foolproof. I mean, if someone's, if someone, you know, um, 
is a bad person. I mean, there is ways of them of still not paying you, but, mm-hmm. but that's one. I don't know if that was a good one or not. Um, but uh, another one, another one, um, and I feel bad for him, but the, the guy, um, the guy got in a, we were doing work for a pretty big job. A guy got in a lawsuit that was un, unrelated to us and he got sued. And, and I think he, um, he probably, he probably lost a lot of money and, and couldn't pay us. And he, he ended up, you know, filing for bankruptcy protection. So, um, you know, when you do, when that happens, we, you're out of luck there too. So, and that was one with, even with our signs and our, and our contract. And you know, sometimes, you know, you can, you can get on a, I, I forget what my controller did, but you know, we were, I think we were on like a list, you know, with the bank and it was kind of first come first serve on that way of who had the biggest, who, who he owed the most to. And we weren't, we were one of the smaller ones. So those are things you got to write off, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah, that's, that's one. I mean, we, you can do everything right. And still, if, if there's bad misfortune on, on your client side, those are, that, uh, that's one of the things I say, that's a risk of being a contractor. Those are, those are some of the risks that we take. And, and, you know, those are, those are horror stories that, that doesn't happen a lot, but that's one. Um, another one I have is it's not really about money. It's more about, um, you know, we, we asked for a plot plan, like a stamped plot plan, you know, so we know where house lines are and the property line is like for sure. Gotcha. And I built this beautiful project. It was a, it was a pickleball court. Um, it was beautiful. And come to find out the plot plan was wrong. And so that our plot plan was on someone else, our, our, our pickleball court was on someone else's property. Jeez. And it was, it was a big deal to get it back there. There was no access. It was a just, it was a disaster, oh, man. It was a disaster. And, um, when you look at it, the house was moved. Okay. So they built the house, but did, and they moved the location of the house, but didn't change the plot plan. Mm-hmm. So I had this beautiful project. Part of it was in someone else's property and I had to move it. Wow. And, and, you know, I could have gotten a big lawsuit probably with, with the client and fought my way through and maybe I would have won, maybe I wouldn't have, but it just wasn't worth it because it was in a really nice neighborhood. And, um, I wanted to, to leave on top and not leave in a, leave in a, in a, in a, in a battle. So we, we, uh, agreed on some terms. I fixed it. Um, and we moved on and we learned our lesson. You know, it was, that was, that was an expensive one. Yeah. It seems like with these scenarios, you, you just kind of got to roll with them, right? Like there's no, there's no setting yourself up to kind of avoid these things. These things might, may happen from time to time, but really is there any other way than to just kind of roll with them and, and kind of bite the bullet? I think if you're in this business, you, I think you need to do, there's things that you can do to help these, you know, that's like, it's like one is like, you know, you, you have a good contract, you know um, you have stipulations. Like um, we now in the DocuSign we send out, we now have a, our contract's really good too, by the way, but we now have a little blurb in there that says that you as a homeowner are verifying that, you know, we're going to go off the plot plan you give us. 
that's in the contract now. Mm-hmm. So that, that was part of the learning lessons, you know, like from this, from the pickleball court. Right. You know, I, didn't, I didn't have that in, in my contract at that point, but now I do. And so, but yeah, you're right. Like you can prepare all you want, but you know, be prepared for anything that, that like things, things will happen out of your control and you've got to chuck it up. You got to toss it up as a, as a learning lesson. A lot of times we've got, I, we we've got tons of learning lessons. We, you know, um, every day or every year, we'll, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a mistake somewhere, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to happen. And I, I like your mindset around it where at, at the beginning, before we got into these few stories, he said, you know what, they're, they're learning lessons. They're not really necessarily failures or anything like that. We take them, we learn from them, we move on. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's, um, as an owner, um, I will tell you that's, and, and that's, you know, this is kind of me being vulnerable on a couple of things that as an owner and run and managing this crew over here, that's something I need to do better about is, is, you know, um, when we, when we make these mistakes, I got to remind myself, like, cause it's easy for me to get a little heated, you know, on, cause I'm like, Oh man, we just lost a bunch of money on that one. We could have avoided that. And then I got to step back and say, all right, it's not, they, this was not a, this was not done on purpose. This is, this is what happened. How did we learn from it? And so that's, that's, and it's tough to do. It's especially if you're, if you're new in the business and, and, and those are, those are, those are going to sting the most when you're new. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, especially when you're just first starting out, one of those can really, really set you back and, and maybe put you out of business for sure. That, you know, that's, that's why I say when some of these guys, you know, um, contact me, they're like, man, we, we like, we want to do these big projects. And, and I'm like, Hey, you know what? Slow down, start small, you know, get good at doing those small ones. And then, then, then you, you, you work your way up, you know, cause you're going to make mistakes all the way, all the way up, make them on these little ones. You make a, you make a, a mistake on a big one, like a, like the, what I did with that pickleball court and, and you're, you're 30, 40 K down the road. You're like, Holy cow, what did I do? So you know, that, that would be my, some of my advice is, is you've got to, you've got to start small. Getting into the installation side of things, Dan, do you have any product tools, equipment, anything like that, that your business lives by that you would want to kind of mention here in terms of this is something that we truly believe in, in the business and we implement it into our installations. Okay. Yeah, man, we could, we could do another Another show just on this. I'll tell you, on the tool side of it, we have three of them now. No, actually, we have we have four. The Vermeer um, mini skids, um, the CTX 100, and we just got a CTX 160. Um, those machines are awesome. I've have crews that fight over them. It runs an auger. It runs a Harley bucket forks. You, as a company, you know you need to look at those machines. You know, anyone out there needs to look at those machines. Those I have guys that fight over them um, because we don't have enough for every crew. You know, that would be one piece. I would say, you know, look at that machine exactly or something like it. Um, those mini skid steers are getting the technologies better. They can lift a lot. They're very, very versatile. So that's one I would say. Um, I think I think like you know, Richard Carroll. I think he has a I think he has a um, a, a ditch witch one which is a good one too. Like, but that's, you know, that's a great way to get a, a, a skid steer, you know, in a backyard, you know, if you got a tight space. So one mini skid steers, 
you know, we use the heck out of them every day. They go out every day. Uh, I would say another another tool that I, I have bought more of and that I need to buy some more of is PaveTech. I think it's called the, I might have to Google it and send you a link on it. I think it's called the Mite, the Mighty Mite. I don't know if that's correct, but um, vacuum lifting technology. Those, like we do a lot of slabs. We do a lot of Blue Grande slabs, which on the, that's what I would say on the product side is large format pavers are, they look great. They are in. What a, what a great way to do a patio is on just a simple, large format patio. But they're like 120 pounds, 130 pounds, some of them. And I buy this equipment because there isn't a lot of hardscape guys out looking for jobs, right? So the guys that I have, I want to take care of them and get them. I'll buy them any equipment they need if, they, if it makes their job easier and they can work longer. You know, like, like Oscar... One of my one of my best foremen here. He's you know there's not a bunch of Oscars walking around looking for a job, so I gotta I gotta take care of these guys, and and uh, I you know buying equipment is one way I can do that. If I can make their job easier, I'm gonna do that. And that's 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 some of the biggest things is 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 you know we're buying tools, um, you know to make their job to make the job easier. I've got I've got uh, you know we've got an IQ saw. I'm still trying to get them to use that more often. We use a lot of GeoGrid. Um, um, we haven't got much into the synth- synthetic base. I know Richard Carroll likes that. I need to, I really need to explore that option a little bit more. I like, I like that you mentioned with that, especially that vacuum technology, the, that it, it's going to save your crews. It's going to see, and it's going to help employee retention because they're going to see you using it and, and want to be there and want to stay there as opposed to jump ship to another company that doesn't have that technology that they're utilizing. Well, yeah, I think if you had a 2,000 square foot patio and it's all blue grande slabs, those are heavy. Mm-hmm. Those are heavy. So um, they, they can lay at patio extremely quickly with, with, the, with the vacuum technology. As it, you know, they're not pinching their fingers. They're not, they're not hurting their back. So it's great. Now, Dan, as we round out this interview here, I've got two more questions for you. One being, do you have any mentors in your life that have really helped you along the way with this business in this industry or, or people that you look to for inspiration, whether that's online, offline, anybody here that you'd want to give a shout out? I will tell you, I won't name them, but there are several clients that, that have really helped me out as far as being, being a, a mentor and just uh, giving me good advice. All right. I'll start off with that. Um, is I have, I have some great clients that, that, you know, want, want us to succeed and give great advice. And then, um, there's other guys, um, you know, like guys like, uh, Andy Mulder, Richard Carroll, and, and, um, a lot of the guys on Instagram there, there's, there's, there's such great advice. Um, just from watching their Instagram stories sometimes, you know, um, one guy, I really, I went to a lot of his, his, um, he, he, he puts on a pretty good, presentation is Marty Grunder. And, um, I've been to his, um, I've done a couple of his grow events. I have, um, went to, he does a, a deal where you go to his, um, his, his office. And that's where I got a lot of my ideas, honestly, on how, how we, how we run the office here. So, um, I think, I think Marty Grunder does a great job. You know, he's, he's one, I, I definitely look up to, you know, uh, Jack Kelly on, uh, uh, at uh, imagine um, he like his designs are just you know there's something that we look up to 
Matt Heiner's another guy who had, who he's got some killer designs. Um, you know what he does. He he's, I think he's got a nice little shop too. Um, but he does a great job too. So he's, he's definitely another guy to look up to Sean with, uh, um, premier outdoor and he has, uh, some of his, his, uh, he's got another one that has just got some great intricate designs with his deck builds. Just, you know, really, really good. I mean, there's, I could go, I could go on and on and on, on guys from, especially from that, from the community, you know, I mean, there's, 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 there's just too many. And then, and, and, you know, I, at night I'll kind of scroll through Instagram and be like, dang, that design's awesome. And I'll screenshot it. I've got so many screenshots now. I don't even know, I don't even know like how to look through them all now. You know, I mean, I, I forget about them sometimes. There's so many. I know exactly what you mean. And my final question to you, Dan, uh, I know we could go on for so much longer, uh, but I appreciate the time that you've already given me here and uh, look forward to having you on in the future on the podcast. But my my final question to you here is if there's one thing, what is that one thing that you know now that wish you, that you wish you knew from the very start of your business? You got you. I tell you what, Mike. You got some killer questions. <laughs> They're just killer. I would tell you um, the one thing that if I would could go back and tell myself when I was first really getting into the business after college and learning how to sell, I would tell myself to slow down. And I know that sounds like cliche, and that that's just you know really simple advice. But but I was in such a hurry to become this huge business, you know, and, and do big projects and, and, you know, let's, let's get tons of locations. And I would tell myself to slow down because you can, one, you can grow too fast. You can make a lot of silly mistakes. You can, you can lose a lot of money with quick decisions. And that's something I wish I, I wish, uh, you know, I could go back and say, all right, let's just slow down and, and think about this deal before we do this deal. You know, or, you know, let's, let's just think about it a little bit more, but, but slowing down would be my biggest thing is, is, you know, um, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm loving what I do and, and all that. And, and, but it's, it's, it's a, there's a different kind of stress when you get to a, you know, when you, when you get to a larger business, you know, and, and it's, it's there's it's rewarding and tough at the same time and and um i i don't get to work on the crew and that's something that i i really miss i'm in an office i'm designing i'm selling you know there, there's a i got a team under me that sells and they do a great job and and uh, but there's there's parts i miss about about you know when i was on the crew so so i would say like if, if i'm giving advice if i was giving advice to myself i would say um man, just slow down a little bit and let's, let's think through every decision very, very carefully. Excellent. Excellent advice. And Dan, where can our audience learn more about everything that you've got going over on over there? We're working on a new website right now, wassonnursery.com. It's not quite done yet. Uh, we've got uh, handles on uh, at, at Wasson Nursery at um, Instagram and, and Facebook. And then um, uh, I'm uh, at the Dan Wasson on uh, Instagram. That's where I do. That's where I do most of my, my uh, messing around on social media. 